It's the Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, June 14th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high quality content that did not see that Patrick Sharp hire coming. Nope. All right, we're going to get into that. Plus, we are going to welcome guest Peter Harling from Dauber Prospects to talk Flyers draft options and your mailbag questions all on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who is on Twitter at Sportsology. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. You can subscribe or follow us for free over on YouTube. We're on the SiriusXM app. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you'll get our latest episode as soon as it's available here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Russ, yeah, like I said, very surprising to me to see Patrick Sharp hired uh, to work as a special advisor to the hockey ops department. And uh, according to the press release, will be in a similar role as Danny Breer was under Chuck Fletcher. So just kind of filling in the gaps and being a kind of a jack of all trades. Yeah, I, I got told about it on Sirius XM. So I had no idea it was coming and they, they yeah. were breaking it. And, and, you know, look, I know Patrick Sharp. I covered him back in uh, when he was a phantom. And so, you know, I like the personality. He's certainly well-spoken. I have no idea what he's been doing as far as uh, hockey business. Uh, I know he's been in the media, so that's fine. I know everybody's like, well, it's entry level. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, that's well and good. And, and, and I think he's a good guy. I just look at the whole group though. And I say, you know, they're missing experience. They really are, but you know, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I think it is interesting because it's another media person essentially now, yes. right? So much like Keith Jones, he has experience in the sense that he's had to cover the entire league. So he has information um, and he's able to analyze you know, players from around the league yeah. and is familiar with what they've been doing because of his media experience. And he has the player background and more recent play than Keith Jones, mm -hmm. that's for sure you know, to fall back on in terms of understanding the game. So I, you know, I think you're right. I think that he could be a, a really good addition to this team. He also doesn't have the executive experience, um, but it seems like they're going with a, a little bit of a green team here anyway. So who knows? Well, we'll give it a shot, I guess. That's right? really what it is. Yeah. The green team, that could be a nickname. <laughs> yeah. Now that the Eagles are Kelly green again, that color is on my mind. <laughs> All right, uh, we are going to be talking to Peter Harling from Dauber Prospects and dig into the draft scenarios and what he thinks about that coming up next. All right, we are thrilled to welcome the managing editor of Dauber Prospects and co-host of Dauber Prospects Report podcast, Peter Harling. Welcome, Peter. Awesome to have you. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. So... I want to know what your overall take on 
the draft this year is beyond the top two picks, which seems pretty obvious. Do you think it's going to be an easy draft to predict or is it going to be chaos? Well, it's it's always fun to predict. And as as confident as some of us are going in with our mock drafts and predictions, it just takes it just takes one pick at any point to throw everything off. Uh, Oh, yeah, I think I think number one's kind of a lock this year. I would think so. Yeah, yeah, there's there's been some years where you know, it, it seemed like a lock. And then at the at the 11th hour, there's some doubt, but I don't think there's going to be any doubt on the eve of the draft this year. And then I think the top three are also are pretty locked. The order though, that, that could like second and third could be up for debate, but I think they're, they're, they're pretty solid in, and who we think is going to go there. And then after that, yep, that's when it really gets interesting at pick number four. I think. Yeah, I agree with that. I think at pick four then, cause I, I'm, I'm hearing all kinds of rumors and I have my own thoughts as far as who I would pick there, but the rumor is Will Smith. So, um, and that's pretty, it's coming in pretty heavy now. Yeah, that would, that would track with, you know, what I've heard and what I'm, what I'm thinking as well and what the scouting team at Dauber prospects is thinking as well. I, he's, uh, he's, he's tracking for, for four, but there's that Madvey Mitchkov kid who has, something to say about that and it's, it's a really it's really hard to pencil in he's he's a real wild card you got some people who are really afraid of the term of the contract he has in the khl and the whole russian factor then you got other people who are like look most of these guys are three four years away anyway so yeah it sucks that he won't be in your system developing that he'll be over in russia playing for someone else's team and you have no control over the ice time he gets but let's be honest that kid's gonna get the minutes so then if Smith goes at four, then to me, it's the Montreal Canadiens who are going to be the spoiler for everything. Yeah. That they're they're the biggest wild card here and they could go in a couple directions. One of which I think, you know, could be taking Ryan Leonard, which I think might be sad for some of us who are looking at, at him as, as a guy that might be a good fit for the Flyers. Yeah, I I think it was uh, Chris Peters podcast I was listening to and he was talking about his mock draft and I think he mocked David Reinbacker to um, he did because I had a conversation with him. I think that's right. And he made some interesting points about it, too. You know that like, well, he's not some people don't think he's he's that good of a of a defenseman. He's not a franchise D, but this is not a draft that is loaded with top pairing defensemen. And you can make the argument that David Reinbacher is probably not going to be a top pairing defenseman either, but because defense is going to be so sparse, his argument was that makes the, the importance and the value of them in this draft, a supply and demand thing, right? Where they're, they're more, they're more valuable because there aren't that many premier defensemen in the draft. So I think Philadelphia would be pretty happy if one of the teams ahead of them selected uh, David Reinbacker. Well, I think the fans would be happier because I think most of the fans want a forward. Like, honestly, I don't know because, you know, I think there's part of the group here that would like Reinbacker too, for the reasons you said, and I don't agree with those reasons. I think it's, you know, you're basically asking me to, um, do you want like a brand new Porsche? Or do you want an older Lamborghini? And it's like, you know, like I, I, I basically, I look at it like, yes, I understand what you say. The market's diminished a little bit and there are no top pairing defensemen. But so now you're going to say, well, the number three defenseman's worth as much as, I don't know, the top line player. Now, 
if it's a center, no, but if it's a winger, I mean, I guess it's an argument to have, but I still would still take the top line guy. Like that's, that's just me. Me too. Me too. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't, I don't subscribe to that philosophy, but it's out there. It is out there. No, no, no question. I mean that, that I've heard it at the combine more than a few times, you know, in conversation. So like, I get it. So, but my feeling is, but today I think Mitch Koff's going to the Canadians until I can find good evidence that tells me he's not. I just, I just never believed um, that San Jose would take Mitch Koff, but I don't see why Montreal wouldn't. Yeah, a year ago this time he was he was one and two with Bedard, and yeah, there's been a lot of out of sight, out of mind with Mitchkov, right? Where he didn't play internationally, yeah. so people over in North America haven't seen anything from him. He hasn't really been very prominent in the public sphere. I don't see a lot of conversation from people talking about him on Twitter, other than reminding us that he's under contract for three or four more years in the KHL going into this draft. But he's so, still playing and scoring points. You you can find right? video on him if you want, and you can see it if you choose to. I get what you're saying, though. It's, it's valid. It's not like his draft stock is diminishing the way that Aturatis did or or, right. or Lambert's did. You know, he's not playing himself out of the competition. He's just not playing in front of North American eyes. So a lot of the independent scouts just aren't aren't watching him. Yeah, I, you know, I think that's a, a fair point. I just think that that's why that pick at five with Montreal is going to be the linchpin and what the Flyers are going to end up doing because whatever direction they go in, I think that Arizona goes reactionary to that and takes the other one in that pairing or a group or two or three players. And then the Flyers are going to ha- kind of have to start with the next tier of players. And you just... Like to me, I, I'm just not sure who that's going to be at this point because I think Montreal is going to be a little bit more unpredictable. Right. So if you're if you're Montreal, you're looking at the first three are scratched off and Bedard, Fantilli, and Carlson, and then you put Will Smith in at four, and then Mitchkoff in at five. You've got one more pick to go before the the Flyers are up, and there's still some there's still some pretty attractive. Players oh, there's some meaty talent there. There's mm-hmm. no question. Mm-hmm. I think the argument for Arizona is between um, Moore and Leonard. For them, I think Moore is the better pick because I think if they lose Clayton Keller in the next year or two, like they might, uh, Moore can replace that speed and play either wing or or center. And so I think, and Moore really is a play driving guy. It's just he wasn't on the flashy line, but he put up massive points. Um, for a guy on a second line with not the same talent. So I think if I'm Arizona right now, I think I'm looking at more, but it doesn't mean they won't take Leonard. I think they took Leonard out to dinner. But the one thing I have learned from the combine is all these guys were in on the free dinners. They didn't care who took them out. If you offered a free dinner, they were going to eat it. Oh, well, who wouldn't? All right, we'll have more with Peter on the Flyers and their draft possibilities, and we will do that coming up next. Make your way to FanDuel because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. There's a lot of good things to bet on. I mean, the NBA is over, but there's still baseball, and uh, right now I would bet uh, the Mets over the Yankees in the Subway Series. Uh, There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. 
Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. We will have more Flyers talk tomorrow. We're going to talk about the newly acquired players from the LA Kings, Cal Peterson, Helge Granz, and Sean Walker. So tune in for that. We'll have more with Peter coming up right now. It's going to be reactionary for Philadelphia to what Arizona does, but if it looks like it's going to come down to probably one of one or two players and, and more Leonard, mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't think there's a losing scenario there. I mean, Ryan Leonard would would look really good in Philadelphia Orange. He is a Broad Street bully kind of guy. The only the only thing that would make me want maybe more over him a little bit a little bit more is the position more as a center. And I think the Flyers could use a little bit more depth in their depth chart in the center position uh, Mm -hmm. than they could on, on the wings. So that's choice number one. And one of those guys, let's say they don't want either. Then who's the next guy on your list that you say they're looking at? The one and two were such easy and obvious choices. And so number three gets a little bit more convoluted for me. Um, If for some reason, they don't like either of those guys, which I couldn't imagine why. For me, I get. I think my next choice would would maybe come down to someone like uh, Zach Benson or Dilibor Dvorsky, maybe. Right. My problem with those guys is is I, I don't see them having first line kind of upside. So I see more or Leonard as having top six upside, but not so much Benson or, or Dvorsky. They they've got more confirmed floors. I think there's. A little bit less risk overall with those guys but you know at this at this range in the draft i think i'd, I'd swing for the guy that has a, a good chance of being a top six player well i mean i i do like Tavorsky a lot and i don't know if the flyers spoke to him but um the fact is you could bring him over sooner and put him in the ahl if you wanted to and see you know maybe next year or even this year if they wanted to i would do it next year and, and see what you got um that would be a little bit faster track. I love Benson. I mean, I would take Zach Benson over um, a few of these guys. I do think he's a top-line talent. That's just me. But I do like Benson, uh, the hockey IQ, the um, problem-solving out there, the shot. He's always working on his shot. The fact that he worked at his parents' carnival and they lived in like a RV and he was working the donut station. Like that there just won me over. I didn't even know about that story until the combine. So the fact that he was the mini donut guy, like that's enough reason for me to take him right there. When was this? That was when he was a kid growing up. No, that's a good work ethic right there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know. I, I It's going to be interesting to see which way this, this goes and, and what their options are and then what they choose to do. I think I'm not sure that, that there's going to be a rush for getting this player into the organization, the development time. No. I'm not sure if that's going to be a, a motivating factor for Briere. It looks to me like the Flyers, I was just saying on on a DPR episode that's coming out this week, that we talked about their, their organizational rankings and that they've always been gun-shy to embrace the rebuild, that it's always been a, a win-now sort of mentality. And that looks like things are about to change and They've been kind of in the murky middle and it's depleted their prospect pool. And I think now is is an era where the Flyers are like, okay, enough's enough. Let's let's rebuild through the draft, get some youth in here. So I don't think there'll be a, a rush for that. 
in this in this draft. I don't think they'll be looking at players who will be NHL ready now. Yeah, I'll believe it when I see it, Pete, because it's a lot of the same people um, who are deciding the draft, and it's just the player development people that have changed. So they have to show me there's a change first before I believe there's change. Okay, but it would be the prudent maneuver, I think. Prudent is is, is definitely the case. But okay, let's just say for argument's sake, um, it's none of those guys. And maybe what they decided was they really did want Reinbacher, and now it's between... I don't know, Simashev and, and Sandy Pelica. The funny thing about Axel Sandy Pelica was he was actually the strongest guy pound for pound on the weight bench. So for people who had the argument that, well, I don't know, he's 5'11", is he going to be able to go up against bigger guys? And, and I already watched him enough live and otherwise to see that he could do it with his stick. But now I realize he's got strength too um, to back it up. What if they want a defenseman? Well, if they want a defenseman, uh, you know, there's three or four choices there that I think of guys that'll go in the first round. Uh, Axel Sandin Pellico would probably be my first choice. I think he's the most dynamic player. I think he's got the highest upside. Yeah. Um, you know, I also like David Reinbacker. I think he's a jack of all trades and a master of none, maybe. You know, he's, he's a good insulating defenseman, middle pairing guy. You can count on him for some, um, some support in the offense. He'll be reliable defensively, and he's got some size and mobility, so he's, he's got a little bit of everything, but nothing really pops in his game. That's where like my question lies in this, because if, let's, let's just say Reinbacker is the target here, and they've got it in their heads that they want to take a defenseman, and Reinbacker's the top defenseman, to me, I think they also have room to pivot, that it's Reinbacker or nothing when it comes to if they're going to take a defenseman at seventh overall, because the forward skills that are going to be there at seven, just far overwhelm what you would get with any of the other defensemen besides Reinbacker. And this may be me reading into it too much, but I think that at least if it were me and I was like, I want to take the top defenseman in the draft because I want to add that to my prospect pool. It just doesn't make sense to take a, a, a second tier defenseman if your top guy isn't there anymore. Okay, so here's what I would say about that argument. My that argument for me is well, Sandy Pellick is my top tier defenseman, so I would say that. My other part of the argument is he doesn't make mistakes and he's tremendous in the offensive zone, gaining the zone, working the offensive zone on the power play. I mean, he played, they put him in the world juniors as a young guy in the Swedish power play, which you never see. And, and he was getting good time there. So I just, my argument would be that is his special tool is, is all of that offensive zone work and all of the I, hockey IQ it takes to keep that going. And he's, and he plays both ends. So I, I think, um, I think if he were six foot two, and I'm not saying this to you, Rachel, but I'm just saying in general, uh, Nobody would even be arguing him or Reinbacher. It wouldn't even be an argument. Is 5'11 even really that that undersized anymore? Like I know there's no, not very but... many 5'10 defensemen in the NHL, but I mean there's there's a lot of good 5'11s. I know, but even then, like I, I'll go back one more time and yeah, and just quote Rachel Dory, who I'm good friends with. And you know, she said, Is that extra inch or two gonna really make a team feel that much better? But it, it's it certainly seems to matter to them. Uh, if it's a difference of 5'11 or 6 or 6'1, it doesn't matter to me. If it's a difference of 5'10 and 6'1, okay, maybe it matters. But not. In, it depends on the player still, though. 
For sure. Um, but the facts are how many five foot ten NHL defensemen are there that are impact defensemen? It's a short, short list. Oh, see, now you're making fun. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, that's today. We have to make the argument of what it is going to be in three years uh, with a guy like Sandy Pelica. So in three years, I think the number will be greater than today. Right. Well, I'm pretty okay. sure in a couple of years, Lane Hudson will be adding one to the 5'10 or under category. That that kid looks like a horse. So then, Peter, what's your take on it? If, you know, Reinbacker isn't available anymore, do the Flyers pick a forward or do they go to the second place defenseman on their list? Well, it's hard to say. What is what is it that they're shopping for? Are they looking for just best player available, the player that's going to have the the best NHL career. If that's the case, then I think they, they go for a forward for sure. And if that's either a center or a winger, um, that just depends on what's available or do they want to go for positional need? Um, and then you can make the argument of, well, what is their biggest position of need? They've got a number of good wingers that are young and or prospects in the system, like Farabee, Brink, Tippett, Konechny, Cutter Gauthier. Forrester. Right, Tyson Forster. There's they're they're pretty good on the wing, so adding another winger isn't necessarily what they need. But if he's the best player, then you then you start looking at asset management, and you can you can make trades to address other positions. At center, they're pretty thin. You know, they got Couturier yeah. and Frost, but they don't really have any prospects that are on my radar. Uh, and on defense, they're okay. You know, Cam York is looks pretty solid. Ronnie Attard, Halge Granzu, they just acquired, Emil Andre. You know, I like these guys. None of them are great, but I like them. And in, and in goal, they're okay, too. They've got Hart and Samuel Orson. Hart might be traded. We'll, we'll see what happens there. So what is their agenda? You know, so if it's if it's the best player available, I think it'll be either Moore or uh, Ryan Leonard. If it's, hey. if it's a particular position, then you're looking at either one of those guys or... Ryan Backer or Sendin Pelica, whoever's whoever's still on the board. But what if it's, you know, center still could be Dvorsky, so you are you counting him out? Would you take Dvorsky over more? No, if I have a choice, no. But if I don't have a choice, then well, I might well, take Dvorsky Moore, if, over over Leonard. Right. But if if Moore's off the table, then that means you've got another option that we weren't including before, like Mitchkov. Okay. I'll I'll, I'll take him then, right? So if, if Moore's not You an would option, take him I don't know if the Flyers would take him, but you would take him. I would take him. I don't think I don't know if the Flyers would take him. Yeah, you think that that Provorov experience has left a bad taste in their mouth? Well, that Fedotov, just in general, mm, right? I, I don't. They have to really show me they've changed with that and say, yeah, we'll run up there and take Mitchkov and show you guys. Yeah, that's you make some fair points there. I hadn't really thought about their appetite for Russian players. Yeah, it is a, a question mark. I think for the Flyers right now, it's. It's hard to tell if it's like, especially with Mitchkov's situation about him not being around for three or four years, if that is actually an exception that would make taking a Russian okay, because it's it's a different kind of ball game in terms of the timeline and the development path than it was with Provorov, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that Mitchkov is, is kind of the exception to the rule here when it comes sure. to Russians. Yeah. yeah, I think that's fair. That and you know, I just I think that the quality of the defense in this draft, that the difference, the separation between guys like Sandin Pelica and Wallander and Reinbacker and guys you can get in the second or third round is not as big as the gap between forwards you'll get in the second and third round and guys like Moore 
and Ryan Leonard. I mean, there's nothing's guaranteed. You can get a player in the fifth round that turns out to be a superstar. It, it happens. But, no, I agree with you. But hedging, I, I, hedging, hedging your bets, I think it's it's a safer pick to take one of the forwards. I think they're they've got more more of a guaranteed upside. Yeah, I agree with you. Actually, um, Sandy Pelica may have said it best. He he compared himself to um, to Wheelander, and he goes, "Look, Wheelander's a great skater. Like he's just a better skater than me, but I'm I'm a lot better offensively than him. Like it's just it is. It's, at that point, you're just picking this over that, and it's that close. Like, I think that's true. All right. Well, are there any other wild card options that you think could be out there or is it really going to go like strictly by, you know, the, the top guys that we've talked about? Well, I think once you get past that, that top three, there, kind of all bets are off. I mean, there's some, there's some probabilities, you know, the, the players that we've, we've talked about extensively, but I mean, you could, there's about a dozen other guys you could throw in the mix into this conversation that wouldn't make jaws drop on the draft floor if they called out their name. It's just, it's a, it's a deep draft. It's a, it's a good problem to have for GMs. And I think there's going to be a lot of teams that might have their sights set on one particular player and then think that they can get them later on. And, and he's just not going to be there. And sure, they'll be disappointed, but that just means there'll be someone else there that is awesome. And they'll be happy to draft as well. It's a good draft. Yep, I agree. Peter, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, where can people find you out there? So you can find my stuff on Dauber Prospects, and you can catch me on our podcast, Dauber Prospects Report, with my co-host, Victor Nuno. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, I'm on there too, at Farling, P-H-A-R-L-I-N-G. All right. Once again, thank you to Peter Harling for joining us. Uh, such great conversation. It's always good to, good to get another perspective on the draft. Absolutely. Yeah, Peter's good. Um, he'll be doing draft coverage for my website, sportsology.com. So, yeah, always look forward to Peter on and seeing him in person. All right. Uh, digging into our mailbag questions. Uh, Brandon had a, a really interesting uh, trade scenario for Carter Hart that want to get into so brandon says they're desperate for a starting goalie in detroit and have abundance of picks uh, carter hart is definitely a great fit for them and their timeline of contending which could be one of the last pieces to propel them to be contenders um, all they would need after carter hart would be a top six forward uh, with that being said um, what would we have to give up with carter hart to acquire that number nine or 17 pick overall in a trade or how would a trade look like involving Sebastian Cosa coming to Philly? Yeah, right now I don't think you'd want Sebastian Cosa because, you know, I speak to Kevin Allen who who writes every day about the Red Wings and they're not super high on his play lately. It doesn't mean he won't turn it around, but the last thing the Flyers need is another uh, project. So I would, I would stay away from that. And as far as what you'd have to give up with Carter Hart to acquire Let's say it was the number nine overall pick. I don't think they would trade the nine. So for the 17, uh, I think it would be Carter Hart and like a first or a second rounder the next year. Probably a second rounder. I think that probably would get it done. But I don't understand why you would do it. You think and? Yeah, I think and, yes. Because again, Hart's only there for a short time. They don't know if they're going to be able to sign him long term either. Interesting. Yeah, because to me, if it's the 17 pick for Carter Hart, 
I think that maybe the Flyers would have to throw in a lower round pick or a prospect or something, but not a fl- the a first. Not a first. No, I, I I settled on the second, and I I at first my mind went there, then I corrected it to a second. But I think I think it would be a second next year. I do because again, Hart's only there a short time. The, the Red Wings, the flawed part about this whole deal is the Red Wings are not ready to to really win the Stanley Cup. They they can make the playoffs, but they're not going to make a long run. So chances of this happening are remote anyhow. Yeah, I think like it, it would have to be a really good deal and I would not want to give up too much again for Carter Hart. I think he's the most valuable asset the Flyers have and so to have to give up like a really like high quality prospect or a high pick, I don't know that I would love it. I would give up a medium prospect and a lower pick in that deal, but I don't think anything more than that. I don't think they do that though because like they have loads of prospects. All right. Uh, I love this username on YouTube, Pain and Gain. Uh, <laughs> for the 22nd pick, could you compare the three different D options that could still be available? Now, Tom Willander is one of the ones listed here. I don't know that he'll be available, but Dmitry Simashev and um, Lucas Dragovic, I think, could be available. Yeah. So, um, Simashev, I would say it's still unlikely. Uh, but if he's there, I mean, he plays really solid defense. He's like six foot four. He's got all kinds of ability. He does have offensive ability, but we just haven't seen it yet. The skating's great. With uh, Dragosevic, he is a former uh, forward converted to a defenseman. Super, super offensive. Um, very smart. Very much a spark plug, but really has to work on his defense. Like it's one of those things where uh, it's similar to K. Andre Miller. Uh, but maybe even like a year behind K. Andrew Miller as far as what his defense was at that age. So uh, that's what you'd be looking at if you were looking at those guys. Will Ander is no chance of him being there. Zero. Yeah. And, you know, it seemed like maybe even a couple of weeks ago he might be. I know. But things have changed rapidly in draft land as far as he's concerned. Uh, Ewan wants to know, would you give a player like Jesse Pugliarvi a chance with the Flyers? Not even for free. And it's not because he can't play. He could serve a role. The problem is how much of a chance is he going to get with John Tortorella? He's going to make mistakes. And Tortorella is just going to make it really hard on Pugliarvi. I just think it would be a horrible pairing of a player who loses confidence and a coach who can make a player lose confidence. Yeah, that's a fair point. I think, like, in a vacuum, I would give him a chance. I think that he does have a lot of skill and, and a lot of talent, and, and I would, but he could run into the Tortorella problem, that is for sure, and, and get benched. Um, and, and you're right, with him, he needs the consistency and he needs to be allowed to make mistakes and come back from them. Next question. Um, Art had a couple of good questions that he sent in, but the one that I want us to talk about is... Um, would the Flyers draft a Tortorella-type guy at seven, even though Torts might not be there when the Flyers are on the other side of the rebuild? I don't believe they would, but the only thing is if Keith Jones sort of likes what Tortorella likes and they and that message sort of gets conveyed and the table likes it, I guess it could happen, but I'm, I'm going to say no otherwise. I, I really, truly think Danny Breer is, understands the long-term thinking here and that you want to build a, a well-rounded team. And so it's going to depend on what else is, what other picks and what other moves are being made around this one. 
at seven in order to get well-rounded options for the flyers. And so, you know, that's why I, I, I sort of think, you know, the flyers reaching maybe to get a defenseman is not out of the possibility. I wouldn't do it. I would get one of the forwards cause this is a, a really great forward draft, but I think just because they're probably thinking big picture and the breadth of the kinds of roles that they need to fill in their prospect system and to have, um, you know, multiple options in each kind of role. That's kind of what's leading their thinking right now, it seems like. And so they're going to sort of tunnel vision on the role that they want to fill right now, regardless of what's happening in the draft as far as quality and skill around. Right. So that is what I think there. Now, Brandon also, a different Brandon, I think, wrote us with an RFA question, um, but we're going to do a whole episode on the Flyers RFA players, who we expect them to extend offers to and what that will look like. And so stay tuned for that. That's a little teaser there. And we've also been talking about um, our little contest we're doing with YouTube subscribers. And when we get to Milestone, uh, subscribers, we're going to do a giveaway. As of recording, friends, we are at seven ninety nine. Oh, we just so need we a gotta get, couple more. That's it. We just need one or one. two more. Yep. To, yeah, technically one, but two more to get over right. the hump into the eight hundred. So we'll hopefully be announcing our giveaway options on tomorrow's show. So stay tuned for that. Uh, that will do it for today's show. Every day or you will hear about Cal Peterson, Sean Walker, and Helge Granz on tomorrow's show as well. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. So send in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You can email us at LockdownFlyers at Gmail, or you can comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Have a great day, everyone.